Warning, I've been saving up a lot of cuss words over the last few weeks. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Stamps.com, ForHims.com, and ZipRecruiter. And by the new restaurant chain for members of the Trump administration, The Soylent Green Hen. Visit our pop-up locations in Brownsville, New York, Seattle, Michigan, Oregon, hell, even we don't know where all of them are. The Soylent Green Hen. It's not people, it's animals. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hi, I'm Jerry. And I'm Paul from What Did the Brit Say to the Indian Podcast. And I may be a dark and loathsome Lamanite, but even I know we did in fact evolve from filthy monkey men. It's June 28th. And it's International Caps Lock Day. I'm not shouting, I'm celebrating. I'm no illusions. <laughs> I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. <laughs> New York, New York. Calm down. It's Secret Lair, <laughs> Pennsylvania. This is the Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, the Supreme Court rules not touching can't get mad. Our collection of rejuvenating cum might finally pay off in Western Canada. And Lucinda will make her triumphant return. First, the diatribe. As many of you know, when I was a younger man, I made my living for a few years as a juggler. And when you tell people you're a juggler, they almost always respond in one of eight ways. Seven of them are humorous puns that take advantage of the fact that ball could mean both a thing you juggle and a testicle. And the other one is to ask you how many balls you can juggle. And that always bothered me because I wasn't a numbers juggler. I was what we call in the biz a gentleman's juggler. And that's a radically different shtick than a numbers juggler. But I got asked this so damn often that eventually I buckled down and learned to juggle five balls, which is Really fucking hard and pointless if your act is all about cigar boxes, canes, and hat tricks. And after months of work, I put the five ball juggle out there and nobody said, hey, wow, five balls. They just said, can you do six? So I go back. I spend a few months mastering a six ball juggle, which doesn't even make sense geometrically, by the way. And as soon as I add that to my act, people just switch up to can you do seven? Now, at the time, I didn't realize I was learning an important lesson about atheist podcasting, but it turns out I was. See, when I first started this show, I got a lot of feedback from people faulting us for not having enough biblical knowledge to do a show like this. And, and at first, my response was, there's a talking donkey in it. That is literally all I need to know to call bullshit. But after hearing the same criticism from a dozen listeners within the first half dozen episodes, we decided to read the Bible and break it down on the show. And while I still maintain that I didn't need to read the whole damn book to know it was bullshit, I figured the listeners were right and I should read it if I'm going to talk about it, if for no reason but comic material. So we read the whole goddamn book cover to cover even read a bunch of the Apocrypha, and I didn't giddy in my way through this shit. No, sir. I bought my Bible with a fucking ruler. I got the goddamn new Oxford annotated Bible. I read all the intro articles, all the summaries, all the footnotes, but no sooner had I finished than all of that stuff that I start getting the, but can you do six messages in the form of people saying, well, sure, you read the Bible, but the beliefs of modern Christians are based on centuries of interpretations and writings that have built upon that base. And at first, my response was right. But if they were built on a base that had a talking donkey in it, that doesn't matter, does it? 
But after hearing the same criticism from dozens of listeners, I started boning up on that, too. I read William Lane Craig, C.S. Lewis, Tim Keller. I even tried to read Augustine. What's more, I started studying up on Near Eastern history, mythology, the history of the Catholic Church, the history of the Reformation. And while I was doing that, I also read the goddamn Quran and the Book of Mormon. But no sooner had I finished all that than I start getting the but can you do seven messages in the form of people saying, well, sure, you've read a lot about Christianity, but most Christians don't get their beliefs from books. And at first, my response was, yeah, but that's because they know less about their own religion than me at this point. But I heard the critique enough, so I started consuming Christian pop culture, too. I watched well over a 100 Christian movies. I watched Christian TV shows. I sampled Christian music, became a regular at their news sites and their blogs. I watched sermons on YouTube. Hell, I even lived among them and observed them in their natural habitat for years. And just this week, I get my first but can you do eight message in the form of a Facebook comment taking me to task for not reading the academic stuff from the cutting-edge theologians and instead attacking easy targets like Case for Christ. And don't get me wrong, it was a remarkably civil and productive conversation, and I bear the commenter no ill will, but are you fucking kidding me? Look, we didn't pick Case for Christ because it was stupid and easy to rip to shreds. We picked it because it was the fastest-selling apologetics book of all fucking time. The fact that it was also poorly argued horseshit from cover to cover, well, that's just a welcome bonus. And no, by the way, I'm not pulling anything by referring to the fastest selling instead of the best selling since all the best sellers that outdo it have been in print for hundreds of years and shit. And every single one of these comments from you should read the Bible to you should perpetually avail yourself of all the newest in academic theology all stem from a concern for my credibility, right? They, they all say something to the tune of, you'll never understand what Christians really believe until you consume X. But it doesn't matter what X is here. The precept itself is flawed. I mean, how fucking hard is it to know what Christians really believe? They tell you whether you ask them or not. It's not fucking complicated. Well, I mean, it is complicated, but only because of the intellectual contradictions they have to ignore. But it's not like the true heart of the Christian is some kind of mysterious puzzle box. Their beliefs are, for the most part, childishly simple. And yes, sometimes we oversimplify Christian beliefs for the sake of brevity on this show. It's one of the advantages of doing a comedy show instead of an academic one. You know, I mean, I can know all about the history of apocalyptic literature and the modern consensus on the symbolism and revelations. But when you tee me up with a comedy precept like a dragon trying to figure out how to get 10 crowns onto a seven edge, you can bet your ass I'm going to knock it down. But all of that is beside the point. The point, as it turns out, was my instinctive response way back at the genesis of this show when I pointed out that their entire fucking religion is based on a book with a talking donkey and it was the right one. I'd been right all the way back then. And as evidence of that claim, I'll point out that I did all the legwork through four, five, six, and seven balls. I did read the Bible. I did learn the history. Hell, at this point, I've read more Christian shit than 99% of Christians, and I may well be the world's leading expert on contemporary Christian cinema. And through all of that, the Christian worldview has never grown more nuanced, less naive, more complex, less contrived. It's the same puerile, pre-intellectual jabberwocky it was before I got to in the beginning. It took me way too long to learn this, but if I've taken anything from the last five years, it's that whenever you take a deep dive into a shallow intellect, all you get is smacked on the fucking brain. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are self-loathing foodies Heath Edright and Eli Bosdick. Fellas, 
Are you ready to finally eat that goddamn baker bucket? Uh, I've been trying to build this table for years with no base like a fucking idiot. <laughs> it's about time we got that. <laughs> Damn it. I even ordered the wrong bucket. Measure one, uh, twice, <laughs> cut once, Eli. So yeah, long overdue, but with Heath and I about to move, it's now or never. Incidentally, if you're a patron, you can watch us make ourselves violently ill live during an AMA. Just check out your Patreon feed for a link on Friday night around 9 p.m. Eastern time. We'll eat, we'll take your questions, and we'll try not to throw up on camera. We were supposed to have a nice company dinner. That was the plan before the bucket <laughs> showed up. also eat an entire dinner. <laughs> and while I swallow back the vomit that talking about this always induces, we're going to pause for a quick word from this week's first sponsor, Stamps.com. Hey, Noah, have you seen yeah, my Eli, cat? I'm, I'm, I'm on the phone. Sorry. He's a cat. About 65 pounds. Yes, 65 Okay, well, can I rent a bigger box? Yes, I'll hold. Mow. Hey, uh, man, what are you doing with your cat? Well, you know, we're moving, and moving with pets can be really hard, so I'm I'm trying to see if the movers will take him. Yeah, no, I don't think that the movers But then I realized, I, I, I suddenly thought to myself, hey, stamps.com. Stamps.com. Yeah, with Stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Meow. Quiet, buddy. Oh. With Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, using your own computer and printer, and the mail carrier picks it up. Just click print mail and you're done. It couldn't be easier. No, no, I know how great Stamps.com is. We use it for all our merch fulfillment, to sell stuff online. Heck, you and Heath are actually using it for your moves coming up in a few days, but I don't think that you can mail But it gets even pin. better. Right now, I can use Scathing for this special offer that includes up to $55 in free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com, and before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Scathing. That's Stamps.com. Enter Scathing. Okay, that is a pretty amazing deal. Do you have air holes in there? Uh, yeah. Meow, look at my butthole. Meow. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, the Supreme Court found a compromise this week when they ruled that some Muslims are allowed in the country. After a couple of failed iterations, the Supreme Court finally got a version of Trump's travel ban that the conservatives could stomach enough to uphold. A writing for the 5-4 majority, Chief Justice Roberts pointed out that it is within presidential discretion and that it's really on Congress for assuming that we'd never elect a president on a platform of naked xenophobia and bigotry despite ample evidence to the contrary. Yeah, thanks, Hillary. Get a fucking VPN or whatever. Do something. <laughs> yeah. One unexpected side effect of 2016 is it has obliterated my political skepticism, right? Like, at this point, I'm like, oh, I mean, yeah, of course there'll be concentration camps, but what state do you think they'll be in? Like, <laughs> I want to be able to jump the train. And yeah, right. It's a short right, trip. So, <laughs> dubbed a Muslim ban by the pre-trying-to-get-it-through-the-courts Donald Trump, the original EO was signed in January of 2017 and sought to bar entry into the U.S. from residents of Iran, Libya, Somalia, Syria, Iraq, Sudan, and Yemen until the uh, Trump administration could, quote, figure out what the hell is going on, end quote. And since they haven't managed to do that on any subject at all in the intervening 17 months, we're still talking about it. Uh, to be fair, though, people were awful nasty about this Muslim ban, and we know how the SCOTUS feels about that. All right? Yeah, I um, should ask one. Nicer side anyway yeah Ugh. 
So in a demonstration of just how many ways this was wrong, the four justices against this decision wrote two dissents. And Sotomayor showed me what a diatribe would look like if I was way smarter. And look, I, I'm not <laughs> I a legal it. scholar. Oh, my God. Um, I, I will say that, like, even during the election, Andrew was pointing out over on opening arguments that there was a legal way that Trump could effectively ban Muslims, right? Yep. And, and, and Trump made it harder on himself by being incredibly stupid, but by a strict reading of the law, hey, you know what? Maybe the court's conservatives got this one right. That being said, as Breyer and Kagan pointed out in their dissent, there is evidence that exceptions to the ban are being applied with a religious bias, which would make the ban in practice illegal. And well, as Sotomayor and RBG pointed out in their dissent, the president said publicly that he was trying to do the illegal thing <laughs> yeah and i mean in a general sense the exceptions to the ban are about 99 percent made up of a group called not muslim country yeah feels <laughs> religious <laughs> because of the word right <laughs> right and again the reason this went through officially is that justice roberts feels like it should be legal to remove blood from someone's dry cleaning whether or not they're wearing a child's head as a hat <laughs> now, an interesting side note here. The court's majority was very clear that they were only considering the executive order itself when making the decision, not Trump's previous statements about the order's intent. And that was nice to see. I'm, I'm glad to see the court moving on from that 2018 standard about having to be nice to people's religion when considering possible First Amendment violations. Wow, that was a dark three fucking weeks in the court's history, wasn't it? <sighs> weeks ago, Noah, weeks ago. Ugh. It'll be better. Be, Everything's going to be better on the Supreme Court soon. Yeah. Oh, yep. God. Uh, I didn't get Neil, any bad news today. I hope Neil Gorsuch is a magic fan. I will refuse the fuck out of some service for him. He will see no card tricks. <laughs> <laughs> that is the joke that Andrew wrote for me instead of what I wanted to say. <laughs> so, uh, big shout out to Andrew. A little joke writing help from him today. <laughs> And in shitter, get off the despot news. <laughs> the Philippines is fucking weird. <laughs> so, according to recent reports, everyone's super angry at President Rodrigo Duterte all of a sudden. J just now. Yeah. Not before. <laughs> just now. Apparently, he'd been doing great so far with the Filipinos. You know, like with his vocal support for, for the murdering of all those obnoxious journalists yeah. and his encouragement of the military and their their use of white hat sexual assault but you know only in nice civilized groups of three because he's classy like that right uh seriously google that he said that and of course who doesn't appreciate a good death squad that exterminates homeless orphans on the street so they, they've been liking him but uh then he finally slipped up last week and did something wrong he suggested that the story of adam and eve is silly right what? and that is what got him, him. Yeah, sir, you may kill my child with a machete, but when you come for my giant that lives for 400 years after its expulsion from paradise for eating fruit, you go too far. You go too far. So, yeah, Duterte had a weird moment of lucidity, but also the opposite at the same time and just started speaking honestly about the Bible during a speech, seemingly unaware there was a microphone or other people in the, the universe <laughs> at that moment. He's in the middle of talking about stabbing a crack baby in the eye or whatever he normally <laughs> talks about. And then just out of nowhere, he was like, yeah, so, so who is this stupid God? This <laughs> son of a bitch is really stupid. How can you rationalize a God? 
You're not involved, but now you're stained with original sins? What kind of a religion is that? Exact words. And, and, and now, a bunch, now a bunch of Catholic military leaders and police officials are drawing a line in the sand. Yeah. After domestic death squads, but before <laughs> yes. questioning a part of the Bible that Christians didn't even write. Right. And in Make-A-Wish news tonight, you know, we take on a lot of taboo subjects here at The Scathing Atheist. It's not a lot that we haven't mocked, but today we'll be breaking new ground by taking on a kid with cancer. Okay. I'll be over here getting a head start on the editing. Uh, talk amongst <laughs> yourselves and say whatever nope. you want, Eli. No, Noah, you are here. You are Wait here with it. us. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jeremiah Thomas is a 16-year-old and battling bone cancer, but you see, he has just one wish before he shuffles off this mortal coil. He wants to make all abortion illegal. <laughs> <laughs> to plan B or not to plan B? That is the question. Dying Kid says not to plan oh, B. Oh, well, good, good yeah. to know. Yeah. So Jeremiah is the son of Rusty Thomas, the national director of Operation Save America, who listeners will remember for burning Korans and rainbow flags on their mission oh, to that eventually make me unsympathetic to a dying child. Well, I, I've also seen beating you at Smash Brothers do the trick, though. That's so. Yeah, but watching Eli perform the first ever rage quit in the history of the Make-A-Wish Foundation was delightful. Yeah, it was. Okay, was okay. Little asshole chose Fox. Whatever. You don't have, <laughs> you don't have Smash Brothers in the void, do they, Caden? Prick. What a great character. <laughs> Best character. So, yeah. Oh. With full brain... <laughs> oh, yeah. With uh, full brainwashing intact, <laughs> Jeremiah had a meeting with Oklahoma gubernatorial candidate Dan Fisher and a phone call with Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who listeners will remember for supporting our living for the last few years with their unending stream of douchebaggery. Yeah, <laughs> right. For which listeners may or may not have sent him a never ending stream of douchebags and other used <laughs> feminine hygiene products, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Right. So first up was the meeting with Fisher, where we learned the origin story of the world's worst make-a-wish. Uh, see, Jeremiah had already had all his wishes granted when he, actual answer, met Tim Tebow, Ray Comfort, and Kirk Cameron. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, Those so were his sad. wishes. So... <laughs> All that was left was for him to wish forced birth on all the women he'll never fuck. And Fisher totally agreed, by the way. Knowing less about the law than Andrew Torres' Twitter mentions, he like super best friend promised to shove every baby right back up in there for Evsies in Oklahoma. I mean, I, you know, I get I'm I, I'm sympathetic, but like Tom Hanks and David Morse would have just told him about Fetusville down in Florida. And- <laughs> Which, not coincidentally, is the subject of our newest animated feature, if Cartoon Network will ever grow a pair. Stop ignoring our voicemails. So, sadly, Greg Abbott was slightly more sane. Due to the fact that Jeremiah's wish is, um, you know, illegal, in their phone call, which there is a video of, I guess Greg Abbott couldn't make time for a visit, he let Jeremiah know that being anti-abortion was part of the Republican platform at this point. At which point... In the video, Jeremiah acted like the law had been passed and they were going to cremate him inside an old abandoned Planned Parenthood. (laughs) I think Planned Parenthood should put a statue of this kid outside all their clinics. Just a fond (laughs) remembrance. Good idea. Good idea. Either way, this is kind of a sad story. I mean, the kid's sick, kid's brainwashed, he's going to die brainwashed. But more importantly, 
you know there has to have been some brutal meetings at Make-A-Wish this week, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everybody. Thanks for coming to Jeremiah's Big Day. (coughs) Thank you all so much for coming. Bless you. God bless every one of you. Yeah, this job leaves you with a lot of faith in God. Jerry. Sorry. Sorry. So, uh, did you come up with a wish there, kiddo? (laughs) I did. Well, go ahead, champ. I want... Anything in the world, buddy. Anything. uh, I want... Yeah? To resegregate the South. Yeah. Sorry. What? I'm a Bible-believing Christian. The sons of Ham shall serve their brother's descendants. It would be so nice just to have one day where I knew a filthy nigger. Whoa, whoa, kid, kid, kid. We, uh, we can't resegregate the South, can we, Jerry? No, dude, we, we cannot do that. Nope. Oh, um, okay then. <laughs> um, how about a big party with, with your friends and you can invite whoever you want or, or not invite whoever you want. Really? The kid's dying, dude. No. No, I have everything I need. I just wanted to have a single day that was clean, you know? Clean for white people. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have an idea. Yeah? Now, um, it's not entirely resegregating the South, but pretty close. It, it is? Yeah. Uh, come on, kid. We're going to Chicago. Oh, yeah. No, that'll do it. Right? Yay! Close. (laughs) And now that virtually everybody needs a minute to send us an email about how tasteless that was, we're going to pause for a long overdue toss to my lovely wife, Lucinda. But first, a word from our second sponsor this week, Hymns. Man, this line is taking forever. All right, I have another question. It says to take them with water, uh, but can I take them with milk? Okay, okay. How about juice? Uh, Heath, Heath, hey, 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 hey. What hey. are you doing what at the about pharmacy? Tea? Oh, hey, Eli. Uh, I, I was just, you know, picking up some some stuff. Some so stuff no. for what? What kind of stuff are you picking no, up? Just, here at the- just relax and quiet down. It's some some dude stuff, you know. How about stuff. catering? Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, dude stuff. See, I use forhims.com. Oh, what's forhims.com? I see, I see. And it says to take two at bedtime. Uh, can I take four halves? I, I can't. Okay, what, what about eight quarters? I can. Okay. okay. Uh, so forhims.com is a one stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. 16 eights. What are they, one of those banners on a porn site? Uh, no, sounds no, com connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat your hair loss. They offer well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. Prescription solutions backed by science. So it's, so it's real dick pills and hair pills and stuff, like doctor stuff, though? Yes, and best of all, products are shipped directly to your door. No waiting room, no awkward doctor's visits. You can save hours by going to hymns.com. What about 512, okay, but, but, but that's got to be crazy expensive, right? 
Not at all. If you order now, our listeners get a trial month of Hymns for just $5. Today, right now, while supplies last. See website for full details, but this would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. Go to 4 slash scathing. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash scathing. 1,024,500 slash scathing? So I don't have to be in this line at all. I could just go there. You do not. Then, okay, but why are you here? Oh, I'm picking up chicks, man. You know what they say? If she's got yeast, you know she's a beast. Okay, well, I'm I'm gonna go. That's we'll great. Okay, that now later. I'm gonna pay in pennies. Uh, one, two. Oh, I've I've lost count. Hold on, let me start over. We should get one. some death panels. <laughs> a man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape, it's a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in massage. I know, I miss you too. And I hope you understand that I got back as soon as I could. Trust me, if I was trying to avoid misogyny, I wouldn't have been in South Georgia. Now, after a seven-week absence, I don't want to just show up with the same shitty news I always bring. So I thought we'd start with a few of the positive news stories that took place while I was gone. As you might have heard, Saudi Arabia finally got around to lifting its ban on women drivers, making it officially the most sexist country on the planet by less. I mean, kudos and all, but perspective. And that's going to do it for the feel-good reunion. On to horrific shit. Like, how about the story of Nicole Artiega, the Arizona teacher who was refused service at a Walgreens because she wanted evil devil drugs. Now, this is one of those stories that emphasizes just how willing they are to abandon the basis of their so-called moral objections. Because in this case, the woman was trying to abort a fetus that was already doomed. So she goes to the doctor, gets her prescription, and heads down to the local Walgreens, where she's told that the pharmacist is too Christian to help her murder her baby. In a Facebook post after the incident, Artiega recounted, quote, I stood at the mercy of this pharmacist explaining my situation in front of my seven-year-old and five customers standing behind only to be denied because of his ethical beliefs, end quote. And what's more, after this incident came to light, Walgreens went out of their way to stand behind this pharmacist's decision. Because that's what women should go through to exercise constitutionally protected bodily autonomy, apparently. And since the guys already have you warmed up to some bad Supreme Court decisions, we should probably talk about their Tuesday decision regarding so-called crisis pregnancy centers in California. If you'll recall, these are businesses that pretend like they are abortion clinics, but are actually Christian disinformation mills that spread debunked, scaremongering bullshit to unsuspecting women. Well, in 2016, the state of California tried to push back against these moral monstrosities by passing a law that would require centers licensed by the state to tell clients about the availability of low or no-cost contraception, abortion, and prenatal care available which, of course, goes against the very mission statement of crisis pregnancy centers. So they sued, arguing that the California law amounted to compelled speech. Like, you know how restaurants have to tell you what to do when someone's choking to death, even if they actually want that person to choke to death? Yeah, kind of like that. And surprise, surprise, the dubious legal claim found five willing takers in the court's conservative wing, despite the fact that many of those same justices had no issue with this kind of compelled speech when they were talking about laws requiring abortion clinics to tell patients about adoption services. And with that glaring contradiction desperately trying to reconcile itself in your conservative cousin's mind, I'll take my leave, but I promise to be back soon, like in the C-segment. But until then, I'll hand things back over to Noah Keith and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. 
and in dicks out for Harambe news tonight. <laughs> As regular <laughs> listeners to this and our other shows will know, being an Orthodox Jew is like playing a very, very serious game of The Floor is Lava, all while being dressed like a cut <laughs> side plot from The Matrix about negotiating a better price for whitefish salad. <laughs> Which, by default, <laughs> would have been the second best part of the sequels after the freeway chase. That's true. That's true. So, one of the life hacks for when your Bronze Age god is really about the letter and not the spirit of the law is the <laughs> A-roof, a wire that Orthodox Jews string up around their neighborhood that allows you to do work inside the home on the Sabbath. Why? Because... Homes are defined as squares of wire if you don't think too hard about it. I, I don't know. Yeah, and Orthodox Judaism and religion in general, for that matter, is all about not thinking too hard about it. Yeah. If I was a really rich Orthodox Jewish person, I think I'd be paying a team of Sabbath goyim to just like follow me around with a circle of yarn. Right. Could you just yeah, go everywhere be- at that point, do whatever you want on Saturday. Heath, crazy billionaire money? We can do that anyway. <laughs> I'm about to move to Georgia, guys. I could do that for 40 bucks. <laughs> anyway, it looks like right now, the city of Hollandale, Florida, might join in the fun as they consider a proposition of local rabbis to build several A-roofs on two beachfront parks to encircle their condos where they live, citing the fact that one of the congregants' four-year-old daughter is in a wheelchair and that this would allow them to move her on the Sabbath. To which a sane person responds, move her regardless of the magic wires, you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> or have God fix her legs. Well, right. There you I go. Mean, either God wants this girl to be a cripple or he doesn't. Right. So like, right. just figure it out. He knew the right? rules. Now, to the city's credit, it looks like they will not be putting up the poles. But if they do, one man is ready to step in and do the Lord's work. That man Chaz Stevens. <laughs> the, the wind beneath my wings. Love oh, Chaz. Chaz. Yeah. So Chaz, who runs a emotional support animal website, is the local representative of the Satanic Temple, who listeners will remember for, according to his First Amendment rights, putting up festivist polls, distressivist polls that look like Donald Trump, and my personal <laughs> favorite, an upside-down butt plug Jesus outside City Hall. And he has promised that if the city acts like dicks, they're going to get some, saying he will, quote, come to town with a platoon of giant dongs, end quote, to plant right <laughs> alongside the magic Jewish poles. <laughs> platoon is a good choice. Yeah, no, words. yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. Rabbis are out there just furiously circumcising. <laughs> <laughs> right. And finally tonight, in Frank War News. While continuing to live in kid-murdering ignorance in the friendly land of maple syrup meningitis cures, Canadian alt-med hippies got to taste their own medicine last week. And the flavor was hot dogs. <laughs> it all happened when Vancouver resident Douglas Bevins got tired of watching stupid people waste their money on fake medicine. So he decided to run a little hoax to teach everyone a lesson in critical thinking. And it's the best. He boiled hot dogs, bottled the hot dog water. Oh, fucking gross. And put it up for sale yeah. at a street festival as a health product. Oh, and it ow. sold way too fucking well. <laughs> uh, okay. Counterpoint. It is Pride Month. Maybe people were just confused by what he meant by wiener juice. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Bevins boiled a hundred free range organic beef hot dogs and put the essence of bologna water into bottles. <laughs> 
Each one had an actual hot dog inside to, you know, really max out that infusion. <laughs> and then he put on a hot dog onesie and successfully sold these keto-compatible beverages <laughs> using intentionally nonsensical marketing points like keto-compatible. For example, the bottles were labeled as pH 8.4 accurately, and, and therefore they carried all the benefits of alkaline water, <laughs> which, which is true. All those benefits were present. Yeah, no, it was also fully oxygenated and hydrogenated. Yeah, yeah, double hydrogen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, this is my favorite part. He told people the hot dog water would cause faster sodium uptake. Okay. Why would you want that? <laughs> is slow motion sodium a problem for people? <laughs> Who the fuck knows? Here's the exact words he was using. Quote, hot dog water and perspiration resemble each other. So when you drink hot dog water, it bypasses the lymphatic system. What? Whereas other waters have to go through your filtering system. <laughs> so really, Christ. hot dog water has three times as much uptake as coconut water. <laughs> <laughs> Quote. Oh, no. Guy. You do not fuck with big coconut. This guy is going down. <laughs> he is going down. Now, obviously, this brings up the ethical issue of selling a product by claiming it has health benefits that don't actually exist. And ideally, we'd find out that Bevan's like gave the money back or donated it to research to real medicine or, or something like that. But either way, he revealed the hoax immediately. And the news has since gone viral, which was really the whole point right. to illustrate how easy it is to be a giant liar in the field of unregulated alternative medicine. Bottom line, he sold 60 fucking liters of hot dog water with literal hot dogs inside for $38 each Jesus. in one afternoon. That's how stupid people are numerically. Canada needs Marsh. Mike uh, Marsh hey, hey. needs to go to Canada. We have dibs. We have dibs <laughs> on After here in we get him, then he can go to Canada. And while we make some slight revisions to our business model, we're going to close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Rooting for that fucking kid to die. And <laughs> you thought he wasn't going to say that when you wrote it, didn't you, Eli? And I when hoped. we come back, Lee Strobel will take on the haters. Vi vicariously. Yeah. Hey, Eli, what you doing? Oh, hey, Noah. So you know how we announced that we're doing a patron-only live stream AMA while we eat the Baker Bucket this Friday, June 29th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time? Good Good plug, Eli. That was subtle. Thank you. Subtle. Thank you. So here's the thing. I really don't want to eat that bucket. I mean, neither do I, but we are going to do that, though. Yeah. Well, I have another idea. We could use ZipRecruiter. What's ZipRecruiter? ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. They send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. One day? Yep. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-C-A-T-H-I-N-G. ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. ZipRecruiter, the smarter way to hire.
See? Found someone already. Eli, that's Heath. Dibs on the pizza crust. I called it. Still, though. One day. (laughs) Normally, I can read a book cover to cover without feeling a single moment of guilt to the tree that gave its life to make that paper possible, especially when it's on Kindle. But when I read Case for Christ, I feel sorry for everything. (laughs) I just want to say the last time I picked up this book, I smushed a fly with it, and I liked using it that time way better. Yeah, wait, wait, there's there's a book. I've been rewatching the movie every week. What the fuck? <laughs> you guys are assholes. Returning after a way too long absence is my lovely wife, Lucinda. Lucinda, welcome back. I never thought I'd say that I missed this book. And I still never think I'll say that. No, just in, <laughs> uh, only in the setup. Good to All be right. Back. So when we last left our hero, he was promising to take on some of Jesus's harshest critics And we're going to get that in chapter six, the rebuttal evidence. Is the Jesus of history the same as the Jesus of faith? And by the way, if you're confused about the concept of rebuttal evidence, Strobel has a handy murder trial related anecdote to help spell it out. Oh, yeah. For usual. Lee Strobel is like the how I met your mother narrator, but with murder (laughs) instead of all the women he (laughs) fucked before their mom. (laughs) It's weird. They're both weird, but now that's weird. And honestly, given the pattern, I was expecting like a blind, deaf Native American fetus in a wheelchair getting yelled at by an atheist who framed him for murder somehow. And that's actually kind of close to what we got. But yeah, the whole point was to explain the word rebuttal with with a three-page anecdote. Can you imagine the Lee Strobel Dictionary? It's like 75 (laughs) volumes. And and then he heads off to do his interview. And remember when he said he would be interviewing somebody who disagreed with his conclusion in the last chapter? About that. What what do you really? Yeah, exactly. What he really meant is that he was going to be interviewing somebody who was an expert in refuting the people who disagreed with his Ah. conclusion. That's basically the same thing, right? (laughs) I need a biography of my friend Tim, so I interviewed all his exes. Yeah, right. (laughs) So... In this next chapter, we'll be interviewing Gregory A. Boyd, Ph.D., by the way, who tells Jesus doubters to fuck themselves for a living. Yeah, and the the best Strobel can do in terms of credentials for Boyd is to say that his book was, quote, honored by the readers of Christianity Today as one of their favorite books of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Another credential was how super true it was, considering it was heavily footnoted yes heavily so this book is heavily true just like all previous books yeah right we should also point out here that he has a phd because they'll give you one of those in bullshit right apparently And, and it's not like he has real academic expertise here no yeah right but don't worry he's not a actual quote from the book ivory tower intellectual and because yeah. And here's why he's not one of those. He looks like Howie Mandel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In case you're wondering about Greg Boyd's credibility in comedian terms, (laughs) he's the Howie Mandel of theology. Yes, the Howie Mandel. Yeah. What the fuck does he mean by that? Uh, Boyd's not a typical ivory tower intellectual because... Howie Mandel looks stupid. (laughs) No idea. So, abiding by the principle of charity, Strobel sets out his opponent's arguments under the heading, 
Writings from the Radical Fringe. <laughs> yeah, at first I thought it was a fleeting moment of radical self-awareness. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Uh, And I've got to be honest here. I've never heard of this Jesus seminar. He's all bunched up about. But apparently time ran an article about it, which was physically weaponized against biblical scholars. Like like Strobel actually relays the story of a biblical scholar having the magazine aggressively hurled at him. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say good. Don't say good. Don't say good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Greg Boyd tells this absurd story. He's like, yeah, well, I was visiting a dying friend in the hospital and the moment I got there, I was immediately tackled by a militant left-wing crino who started yelling, <laughs> fuck your God, and violating me with a Time magazine. <laughs> Hope our mutual friend dies right now because nothing matters. Like, <laughs> I looked up the Jesus Seminary, and more than half of the Wikipedia article is criticisms. And, and a lot of this shit is like, and this one is real. Only 14 of their scholars were considered leading New Testament scholars, and of the remainder, nearly half have degrees from Vanderbilt, Claremont, and Harvard, and those um, schools favor liberal interpretations of the New Testaments. <laughs> yeah, those are communist divinities. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, Boyd also accuses them of having their own brand of fundamentalism because they insist on a single methodology, which all legitimate academic fields yeah, right? as a prerequisite. <laughs> yeah, apparently the liberal wing of Christian theologians is too dogmatic about having diversity of opinions. They're diversity bigots. <laughs> <laughs> and I, this whole section reminded me of an Estes Perkle movie rant, right? Like just arguing over the Greek word for grave. And I'm like, hey, dude, your wizard came back from the dead. That's the issue <laughs> I have. <laughs> like, focus. And then in a remarkably effective attempt to poison the well against the Jesus seminar, Boyd describes him as a bunch of liberal theologians who are trying to give Jesus a modern day makeover to breathe new life into this Frankensteinian monstrosity of a religion that still lurches forward into the future long past its antiquation. Yeah, we want to put a backwards hat on Jesus and have him freestyle, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. kids. Oh, you mean like a... Like a black Jesus? Get the fuck out. This is serious. (laughs) Well, yeah, and to be fair, it does seem like the Jesus Seminar is a bullshit thing. But it's called the Jesus Seminar, so a fucking course it is. (laughs) This is like listening to one of those podcasts about which podcasters that podcaster doesn't like. (laughs) Okay, Lucinda, if you don't like my blog, you can just say so. (laughs) Like spending time with your blog. Eventually, Boyd gets to the heart of the issue the quintessential ab- academic flaw that fatally handicaps their research. The fact that they refuse to entertain the possibility that Jesus had superpowers. Racist. And he literally presents this as, and that's why it's not true scholarship. Yep. And did anyone have a weird moment of agreeing with Boyd at the beginning here of being like, yes, there is no room for a funky hippie feminist Jesus who was just a nice guy, you asshole. <laughs> And he's like, exactly. He was God incarnate sacrificed to himself. Thank you. <laughs> no, wait, what? what? Oh, oh, yeah, I agreed too fast. Um, but then after spending several pages shitting on the view before expressing it, Strobel's skepticism kicks in and he says, but isn't it possible that your religion and career and thus the very scaffolding on which you hang your sense of self requiring this to be true affects your ability to look at it objectively? To which Boyd <laughs> responds... No, you are, but what am I? <laughs> yeah, he's like, smoke yeah, bomb. They reject the historicity of the Bible because it contains, quote, things that seem historically unlikely. 
<laughs> like walking on water and raising the dead and quote those things are historically unlikely. <laughs> I find your claim that you jumped up your own asshole and met a leprechaun historically <laughs> unlikely. And observationally unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> totally unfair, though. Yeah, those seminar people were like, okay, no saying impossible magic. Now explain your theory about Jesus. And we were like, impossible magic. <laughs> impossible. <laughs> And after a really long silence, the communists won the fucking argument. <laughs> Assholes. Well, and at this point, Strobel goes so straw man that the Wizard of Oz shows up with a brain. He says, but if we accept supernatural things in the Bible, doesn't that mean we'll have to find supernatural explanations behind everything that ever happened? Yeah. What? To, to which point says, yeah, but these scholars go beyond that to say you can never use supernatural explanations. And who the fuck does that other than... Physicists, chemists, biologists, economists, ecologists, geologists, astronomers, botanists, statisticians, mathematicians, engineers, anthropologists, entomologists, historians, and zoologists. Huh? <laughs> yeah, he's like, real physics only? Really? Now you guys are doing metaphysics. Yeah, right. By saying no metaphysics. Wait. <laughs> Why am I getting dizzy? Are you guys dizzy? <laughs> feel like, are we, are, is I feel everything like spinning? Dizzy you guys are spinning and I'm still. <laughs> And as though he's trying to undercut himself here, Boyd says, look, if a tree falls over, I'd make sure it wasn't termites way before I conclude an angel pushed it over. What? But I'm not going to just rule out the possibility <laughs> that an angel could push it over. Yes! Really? That is his real argument. Yes! He really says that. No termites? <laughs> Point one for angels. Scholarship. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smart. If a gay dragon falls in the forest, nope, gonna stop you right there. Remember with the shh from before? Nope. <laughs> so then we really dig into whether assuming dead people stay dead really is a reasonable academic criteria. Yeah, and, and Boyd literally says that standard practice among historians is to, quote, operate with the burden of proof on the historian to prove falsity or unreliability. <laughs> yeah, burden of proof. The fact that we call it burden of proof kind of like works against that. No, dude, it's the exact opposite. Okay, boys, year one. Everything's true. Let's start disproving shit. And go. <laughs> it's like whittling, you see. <laughs> we must look for the truth inside. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, his reason for this is that, you know, people don't usually lie. Yeah. Uh -huh. And he says, exact quote, without that assumption, we'd know very little about ancient history. So you have to assume everything's true or else we'd only know the, the false half of things. What are talking about? How's that work? Just a quick reminder about this chapter. Christians recommend this book to atheists. I know! <laughs> I wouldn't recommend this book to a Christian for spite. Right? <laughs> like, hey, this is your most popular book. Enjoy. <laughs> and uh, this is one of my favorite little moments here. Near the end of this section, Lee Strobel gets genuinely confused by what lack of evidence means. And he admits it in the book. He says, dealing in this theoretical realm was starting to bring more murkiness than clarity for me. I needed some concrete examples. Yeah. He asked for concrete examples of lack of evidence. <laughs> <laughs> you see this gay dragon? <laughs> no? Concrete. 
But then he gives Boyd a chance to respond to the claim that Jesus was eerily similar to previous mythical figures. Yeah, and and Boyd seems to think, yeah, but not mythical figures in Jewish history is like all the rebuttal he needs. But even then he equivocates. He's like, well, sure, a lot of rabbis did the kind of stuff Jesus did, but uh, did they crank it up to 11? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus was way less plausible than those rabbis. That's how, you know, he's he's, he's real. Can you you play that back to me? I feel like I sound crazy. Just play that back. Yeah, but did those rabbis have their own book? What? Yes, the the church burned them and edited them down so Jesus would seem more important. Did they keep their own book? (laughs) (laughs) And then Strobel hits him with the parallels between ancient dying and rising gods and Jesus, which, though overstated by atheists all the fucking time, are still a valid point. Yeah, again, as much as this point has some interesting validity when it comes to, like, addressing mythology as a whole, whenever I hear this from an atheist, I just know I'm going to get Bohemian Grove in the next couple of sentences. Generally speaking, yeah. uh 30 seconds later, Heath's yelling about the Fed. Like, no, they made $100 billion last year and just fucking gave it to the Treasury. Like, every year, they give us money. (laughs) And am I misreading this, or was one of his arguments... Jews were too stingy to let other people use their Also, the Bible never has the phrase once upon a time in it. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's basically the opposite of a fairy tale. What's the term for that? that? Jesus is the unique son of God. That's, That's the, the opposite. There's also this weird bit where he's like, and some of these mystery cults sacrificed animals. Could you imagine Jews involved in stuff like that? Of course not. <laughs> Right? I mean, they might suck a baby's dick, but they're not going to get all covered in bull blood. That's barbaric. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) But what the fuck did that have to do with anything? Just out of nowhere. We're in the middle of some (laughs) other conversation. Like the book had a video editing mistake here. (laughs) And Boyd's like, speaking of which, if you think a Jewish person would just stand under a bull and get showered in blood when they cut it open, you're crazy. So, end of section. (laughs) What? (laughs) Usually you need a reason to bring that up, but, you know, he's wacky. Uh, looks like Howie Mandel. And and then he hit on a few apocryphal gospels in a subheading that he, he calls secret gospels and talking crosses, which reminds me, we should do the apocrypha, you know? Yes. Uh, negative one vote. <laughs> and the, the refutation on this one is to say, oh, yeah? Well, those arguments have been used to say Christians were gay magicians. Do you think we're gay magicians? <laughs> yeah. Because we're not gay magicians. <laughs> and this escalated so quickly. <laughs> Lee Strobel starts to bring up the gospel of secret Mark. And and Boyd's already yelling slurs at him. He's like, you're gay. You're gay for even bringing that up. Why would, why would he even want to suck a dick? It doesn't even make sense that I would want to suck. Like, where would you even... Put a penis in my ass. Play it back one more time. Like, I feel like this is great. What were you asking about? You you talk now. You go. Right. And here's the crazy thing. The way that this book describes unreliable texts is indistinguishable from how it describes proof that a book is the word of God. Yes. It's like a source from a book that turns out to be fake by a guy who we know was lying. That is from the last chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we we end up falling into a well of infinite mirrors for a second when Boyd dismisses one of the apocryphal gospels for having, quote, fantastical claims in it. (laughs) Really? 
And at this point, Boyd says that the Jesus history and the Jesus of faith are the same guy. And his academic defense of this seems to be otherwise, it fucks up our whole religion. It, it, so. Yes, his actual defense. Quote, <laughs> take away miracles and you take away the resurrection and you've got nothing to proclaim. Paul said that if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, our faith is futile. It's useless. It's empty. End quote. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. that's our point. This is your point. Uh, <laughs> yes. You take yes. away the resurrection. Then when Peter gives that speech about it in Acts, it would just be a, a long blank spot on the page. <laughs> doesn't even make any sense. Why would we print Bibles with a giant blank spot? And I'm thinking at this point, like, okay, I'm going to get on, on the subway, uh, to the indoor building where I live. You're, you're staying here in this doorway? Cool, cool. Good luck. Yeah, if your historical scholar is telling you what his heart tells him and you yes. aren't at the beginning of an Indiana Jones or Tomb Raider movie, you should leave. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to the wrap-up, and we know this because Strobel says, but now I wanted to know what this pastor and theologian thought about Jesus. Yeah. <sighs> Because pastor's thoughts so often vary on that subject. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Surprise. He thinks he's for realsies, just in case anyone. <laughs> yeah. By a pretty big margin. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Final score was Jesus Seminar 4, definitely a real zombie god, like way more. Like, <laughs> like probably seven or eight truth points. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and then we get a little summary where Strobel reflects again on how much he agrees with the point that he's making. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a great moment here when he gives us a quick little repressed meltdown that he, that he accidentally writes into his book. He's like, I felt the same way as Greg Boyd. If Jesus didn't do all the magic stuff, he's powerless and meaningless. And so is this book and, and this sentence right right now. This, this would be stupid. <laughs> <sighs> But it's real. It's real. I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm doing doing great. He's starting to, we're not even halfway through the book yet. He's starting to crack. I just yeah. love to monitor this as we go. But of course, we can't finish up with Lee Strobel without a, a, a few of his study questions. So question one, which is actually four questions. Have you read news accounts of the Jesus Seminar opinions? What was your response to what they reported? Did the articles give you the impression that the seminar's findings represented the opinions of the majority of scholars? What dangers do you okay. see in relying on the news media and reporting issues of this kind? All right. Yeah. The, the only question that applies to me is that last one about the dangers of the media reporting about the New Testament. And my answer is, no, I'm not anti-Semitic. It's weird. <laughs> you keep asking that in all different ways without saying it. No. Yeah. A lot of people ask you that, Heath. There's a lot of winking. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> nudge, nudge. Um, I'm going to go no on the first one, NA on the next two, obviously, and the exact opposite answer than the one he was hoping for on the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the implication that Lee Strobel's readers are out there consuming non-paneled newspaper content. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the charts. Okay, question two. As you conduct your own investigation of Jesus, should you rule out any possibility of the supernatural at the outset, or should you allow yourself to consider all the evidence of history even if it points towards the miraculous yeah. as having occurred. Wrote that backwards. I think. Why? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I, I know this one. Gee, if only there were some sort of hypothetical razor I could use. Right. What, yeah, right when you need one. <sighs> oh, man, I think I wrote down the wrong thing. I thought the assignment was to read about the passionate gay love affair between Secret Mark and Jesus. You leading ass question having fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that least trouble. I did the wrong thing. 
And next week, next week, uh, I'm going to go with a hybrid of the second answer. Uh, you should consider all the evidence of history, which by definition will not point towards things that can't happen having happened. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Uh, I like that one. A uh, bonus question: Which other book should you read with the idea that it might be true in defiance of natural law? <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter. It's fun. <laughs> All right. And finally, question three: Boyd said, "I don't want to base my life on a symbol. I want reality." Hmm? Why do you agree or disagree? <laughs> Some people don't want reality, of course. Is it enough that Jesus is a symbol of hope? Or is it important for you to be confident that his life, teaching, and resurrections are rooted in history? Also, why? Mm -hmm. God, these why? questions are so long. <laughs> I, I love that he doesn't even have an option for, I don't want to base my life on a symbol or a bronze-aged rabbi. Like, that doesn't even occur to him as a possibility. Right. No, it's got to be one or the other. Yeah, Strange either. that Strobel doesn't even notice. This is another of way of saying, so is the possibility of you being objective just super unlikely or outright impossible? <laughs> it was so weirdly poetic. It's just like, yeah. As the great philosopher said, don't want to close my eyes. Don't want to fall asleep because I'll miss you, babe. <laughs> don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I'd love to answer this one too, but an angel knocked over a tree and then stole my homework for this question. Oh, well, oh, you know, yeah. by the section, obviously. Sorry, Lee. All right, well, that's going to do it. Uh, that's actually going to get us all the way through part one of the book. Hooray! Strobel is apparently finished offering the evidence for Jesus portion of this. Shitty job. So when we crack this book open in three weeks, we'll finally be digging into part two, analyzing Jesus. Well, I, I'm not going to say I'm holding out hope that another close relative is hospitalized, but I am holding it out as a possibility. Uh -huh, yeah. Ooh, There's a lot of this book left. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get out when my grandma died. <sighs> She's still dead. Can I? <laughs> <laughs> still counts. Can we go to that Texas kid's funeral and take a little time off? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Before we pull into port this week, one more reminder that if you're a patron, you can watch us sample Jim Baker's Apocalyptic Cuisine live at 9 p.m. Eastern on Friday. That's tomorrow as the show comes out. And if not, no worries. We'll put together a compilation and let you know when that's available, whether you're a Patreon or not. Anyway, that's all the Blast Movie we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's Hot Friend God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, and an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this show wouldn't count if I neglected to thank Keith for being such a good friend and roommate over the last three years. I'm going to miss having you in the loft, bro. I also need to thank the lovely Lucinda Lusions for finally coming back and making my life complete again. I also want to thank Eli Bosnick, and he does all kind of good shit, but after the last two, his thanks would seem lame no matter what I said. Um, also want to thank Jerry and Paul from the What Did the Brit Say to the Indian for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. And if you're curious to find out what the Brit did say to the Indian, you'll find a link to their podcast on this week's show notes. But most of all, of course, I need to thank this week's most dynamic diploids, William, Jason, Blake, Jonathan, Skip, Bean, Brand, the fucking man, that six foot jackal, Patricia, Paget, Mac and Cheezle's yummy BS hold my beer podcast, Alex, Todd, David, Devil, Vamp, Anna, Sakey, Day of the Night, T, Madman, 42, and nobody. William, Jason, Blake, Jonathan, Skip, Sean, and Brand, the fucking man, whose erections give inflationary cosmology rapid expansion envy, that six foot jackal, Patricia, Paget, Mac and Cheezle's yummy BS hold my beer podcast, Alex and Todd, who are so badass hurricanes named disasters after them, and David Devil Vamp, Anna Sakey, Day of the Night, T Madman 42, and Nobody, who are so hot, adolescent lava plays the floor as David Devil Vamp, Anna Sakey, Day of the Night, T Madman 42, and Nobody. 
Together, these 21 tantalizingly talented Top Guns teamed up to top off the tab for our torrential trashing of the tabernacle this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the where, the with, and the all it takes to give us money, but if you do, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. Scathing Atheist Pro-Death Panels. (laughs) (laughs) The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.